Um, so the, uh, the attribute of God, I think I've been doing this uh, when I was speaking, uh, was just the attribute of God. And uh, that we're going to be considering today, uh, the attribute that we're going to consider today is the integrity of God, the integrity of God. You know, the word integrity uh, comes from the Latin word integer. Um, in math, it means, right, uh, in integer, it means like the whole number, right? Positive or negative one, positive, positive or negative two, including zero, right? But in Latin word integer, it means anything complete or whole. You know, when we use it in reference to God, integrity means that God's character is whole. It's flawless. It's unimpaired. Uh, that's what we... What, that's what we mean when we talk about the integrity of God. And so when we talk about God's integrity, it actually, uh, in, in, in broad sense, it means two things. Number one, it's that God is true. And number two, it means that God is truthful. Right? So today's passage, you know, the, the passage that's just read in 1 John, it declares the integrity of God. And so let's dive in and see what that means. And so the number, uh, number one point uh, is the truth that God is true. God is true. You know, in the scriptures, the word true not only refers to the truthfulness of God, but also his authenticity, the authenticity of God. That is, God is genuine or real. He is exactly as he reveals himself to be. He's not an imitation. Um, he's, not a, he's not fabricated or invented as this world makes him out to be. You know, a lot of critics, uh, you know, they dismiss God as just a psychological crutch. What they say is the argument that they uh, have is, you know, people, they have this innate uh, need or psychological need, the need for something or someone to depend on. We all, because we know that we are limited, we are imperfect, we all know that. And so they want to depend on something that, that is bigger than they, right? So that we all have this need. So they created, so people, the, the religious people, the Christians, they created a God. So in essence, what they are arguing is that it's really a self-soothing therapy. You created a God. Right, basically, God in your making, and there's oh, there's a God, so I can depend on you. Right, so it's a psychological crutch. They dismiss it by saying the whole concept of God is really self-serving. You needed Him, so you invented Him, and that's what they say. So they say that God is not really real; it's just in your imagination. It's a psychological crutch. The scripture tells us that he is not a fake or a clever invention. Unlike the superheroes heroes of Marvel or DC Comics, mere creation, they are mere creations of people's imagination. But God is real. He is genuine. And I even sense it uh, in a lot of times when we gather together in our, in our personal time or in our corporate setting, I do sense the presence of God when we lift up our voices as we clap and as we sing uh, praise songs together. 
when we gather together to hear the word of God together in the preaching of God's word, in our small groups, when we pray together or even personally, I do sense that God is truly there. Right? And I really, I wish and I hope that we all have had that, those experiences where we could really, we just know that God is real. Right? You know, counterfeit exists because the real, genuine thing exists. The reason why there are, there are counterfeit dollar bills is because there are authentic U.S. government-issued dollar bills. Right? That's why there are counterfeit dollar, dollar bills everywhere. Right? Actually, this past week, uh, uh, I happened to be at my mom's place, and then she received a letter, and it was from this pretty well-known like, uh, uh, company that does a lot of like, uh, you know, like public research. Right? And then so... It said, hey, if you do this, just to, just to make sure that we are not fraud, right, that uh, if you do, it was a really simple, like, question about, like, the TV, like, the usage and internet usage and all those things, just to make sure that they actually included a $1 bill. And I was like, just like everybody else, is this really real or is this a counterfeit or is this from a, you know, like, you know, wrong, you know, just a scam or, so, you know, I did what everybody else said, you know, the watermark thing, you know, just like, is this real or is it counterfeit, right? And it was real. I was like, whoa, mom, maybe you should just fill this out because they were promising like more money actually in cash. But anyways, so the counterfeit is only around because there is the real thing, right? Without it, without the real thing, counterfeit would not exist. And there are plenty of cults and heresies because genuine Christian faith exists. There is a real thing, right? And these, the cults, heresies, these are the deviations and the aberrations of this truth. That's why these cults are with us, because there is true God and there is true Christianity. You know, Rabbi Zacharias, um, I know, um, you know, his legacy is really ruined, right? And what he has done uh, towards the end of his life is just horrendous. And I was just heartbroken to find out. And I think, um, if, if you know anything about Rabbi Zacharias, he was like world-famous apologist. He was uh, the fervent defender of faith, Christian faith. Um, so, but, you know, I know his legacy and him as a person is, is very heartbreaking. But his contribution, I think, can still be, personally, I think it can be separated from him, right? What he has, how he contributed uh, to our Christian faith and our understanding of God and, and Christianity, I think it's still, we can still use that. Uh, I think there are some people who are uncomfortable with that, but for me, I think uh, I'm okay with that. And this is, uh, so bear with me. And Ravi Zacharias said, truth by definition is exclusive. Truth by definition is exclusive. Let me, let me quote. And so this is what he said. Everything cannot be true. Everything cannot be true. If everything is true, then nothing is false, right? He's a very logical man. And if nothing is false, then it would also be true to say everything is false, right? If nothing is false, to even to say that everything is false 
that has to be then also true. See, you cannot have it both ways. Truth, when we talk about truth, by definition, it is exclusive. One should not be surprised, he continues, one should not be surprised at the claims of exclusivity when it comes to Christian faith. The reality is that even those who deny truth's uh, truth's exclusivity, in effect, exclude those who do not deny it. In other words, the truth quickly emerges. And if you say truth is not exclusive, right, then what you are, then you are really excluding those people who are saying the truth is exclusive. Do you know what I'm saying? So when you say this is truth, that means anything outside of that, the realm of truth, it's not true, it is false. Not everything can, not all things can be true. So truth, when we talk about truth by definition, it is exclusive. And John here declares that God is true, and it implies that this truth is exclusive. People believing that all religions lead to the truth, that cannot be true. Because there is, when there is a truth, there is the other reality that is not true. Right. You know, research after research shows the significant number of so-called Christians who think that, that there are a lot of Christians who think that there is more than one way to God. It doesn't have to be through Christianity alone. But if you hold to this truth, those Christians, we are accused of being intolerant, narrow-minded bigots. Right? But we appear this way because Christ claims exclusively God, uh, Christ claims exclusivity because he is the truth. He talks about truth. So it is exclusive, especially when it comes to knowing the truth and also salvation. He claims that. So because if you want to be faithful to what Christ has claimed, that we cannot help but sound exclusive. Jesus says, I am the truth, the way and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Well, you talk about being exclusive. There is no other way that you can get to the Father. There is no other way you can get to know God except through Christ. The truth is exclusive. Peter, in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no, no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name. Exclusivity. This is truth. We are not, we don't come across as exclusive because we are a bunch of snobs. Maybe, yeah, I mean, granted, maybe some of us can be snobby, right? Um, that, that, but, but we don't mean to be when it comes to this truth. If we are people of truth, that we cannot help but be exclusive because of Christ, what he has claimed. Because according to the scriptures, and by definition, truth is exclusive. We did not come up with this idea of being exclusive, uh, of exclusivity. God did 
Scripture tells us the truth of God's plan of salvation, and it is only through Christ. If you really want to be true, if you want to be faithful to the revealed will of God, right, then we simply can, cannot get around this. You know, in today's dominant philosophy, right, man, I sound a lot like Pastor Jay, right, uh, is it, it, it's, uh, this that of uh, inclusivity and tolerance. That's like the big thing, right? If you sound, if you come across as somebody who is very exclusive or very narrow-minded, that's a definite no-no, because in this society, it's all about being inclusive and being tolerant to different beliefs. And I think there is a place for that in society, but it cannot be accepted when it comes to the truth of the gospel. Now, I know this is a Thanksgiving Sunday, and, uh, you know, I was like, oh, man, I got to be, like, kind of, you know, things, uh, think, uh, say some things that are really positive and very, like, you know, feel-good kind of thing. Um, but I think uh, maybe I chose the wrong <laughs> attribute to talk about. Um, I don't know if I'm making you uncom un uncomfortable. And actually, you know, so I was like, you know what, forget it, right? I'm, not, I'm just not playing nice here, right? And, um, Here's one more that I want to, uh, you know, that I want to say about this. You know, actually, I found this quote, and it, it's just funny because I wasn't looking for this, but I, it just came across in my Facebook, uh, you know, post. And this is, uh, this quote says this. If the truth makes you uncomfortable, don't blame the truth. Blame the lie that made you comfortable. I was like, oh, oh. I was like, hmm, that's... I like this quote. I wasn't even looking for it. It just, it just popped up. And I think the quote has a point. Once again, it says, if the truth makes you uncomfortable, do not blame the truth, but blame the lie that made you comfortable. Don't blame the truth. This world spews out lies and misinformation. It's just nonstop. Especially, you know, during the pandemic, I mean, it's even before, there's so many things that are just not true, things that are really distorted in many different ways, right? I mean, even just, I, I was just so sick and, you know, leading up to the Virginia governor's, like, you know, the race and just uh, the, the commercials from, uh, you know, both candidates, they were just kind of, you know, taking things out of context or just trying to make things, like, just really advantageous just for them, Right? If you are fine and comfortable with the lies of this world, but are offended by biblical truth, the truth about the truth is exclusive, right? Then you need to really examine your heart. Because maybe you are really just basking in, or just we are so comfortable with the lies of this world to the point that when you hear the truth, it makes you, man, I feel a little offended. It just, you know, what you are saying, it makes me really uncomfortable, right? But do not blame the truth, right? You have to really examine your heart. Whose voice are you listening to? Is it the voice of God through the scriptures and through the, through the Holy Spirit? Or the voice of the enemy, the flesh, this world, or the Satan? So the question that we need to ask ourselves is, you know, are you at peace with the truth as revealed in, in the scriptures? 
Or are you at peace with this world, whatever this world tells us? I mean, Pastor Jay always talks about the Disney, right? And just there's the philosophy of, like, you are basically in charge of your own destiny. Like, you know, feel good about yourself. Believe in yourself, right? Believe in your gut instinct. Or are you at peace? When you hear, receive the word of God, does it make you, this is true? Even though we may not be like, oh, I am so, but, you know, do we really uh, accept and believe, receive this word given to us as a truth and seek and strive to live according to the will of God? Or are we still like, you know, ah, man, you know, like the things that are being spoken is just like, it makes me really uncomfortable about being exclusive and Jesus being the only way. What can like, you know, try different ways to get to God, right? Are you at peace with the truth of God? or with the lies of this world. You know, people place a high value on sincerity. If a person is sincere and devout in his religion, no matter what the religion it may be, people may say, isn't that enough? As long as you're really devout and sincere about his or her own uh, religion, isn't that sufficient? Don't the different religious beliefs eventually lead to one ultimate truth that is God? And that's what people sometimes ask. And they may be really sincere in just asking and just having that quest to know the truth and God. And they may say something like, you know, well, isn't it like the, the blind person touching different parts of an elephant and describing what an elephant is like? So for, uh, for a one blind person who cannot see or do not, who do not know what an elephant looks like, if he touches the, 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 the legs, right, they say, and it just feels around it and says, oh, elephant is like a tree trunk, right? That's how you describe an elephant. Um, or if you are looking, uh, if you're, the, the blind person happens to be touching uh, the side of his you know, body, then he would describe an elephant as, elephant is like a wall. It's like giant wall. It's just like, you know, it's just, I touch it, and it's like pretty like vertical. Like an uh, elephant is like a wall, right? Uh, if a, per, uh, a blind person is touching, happens to be touching the trunk, right? He may say, oh, this is like a, maybe he's feeling it, and it's kind of moving. Oh, maybe an elephant is like a python, right? So they are saying, because, you know, but the ultimate truth, the, the reality that is elephant, it's not just one or the other, right? It's the whole thing. But maybe because we are, you know, all these re- different religious systems and the belief system are only focusing on one aspect of God, that's why they are only seeing it in different things. But the ultimate reality is much bigger than all different religions eventually. They're in their quest, their honest, sincere quest to know the truth and to, to find God Right? So we are just maybe different religions are talking about different aspects of God. Right? And that's what they say. But you see, if you are serious about the truth revealed in the scriptures, the word of God, the answer is no. Right? You can be sincere without truth. Sincerity is not equal to truth. 
Because as the scripture uh, has revealed, uh, God has revealed himself, because there is no way for us to know what God is like on our own. We can take a guess, but it can be really far off because we are, you know, steeped in our sin and we have a really skewed mind, very selfish. So that's why the people just come up with all kinds of different kinds of gods and images, think that that's what God it must be like. Left to ourselves, left to our vices, there is no way for us to know who God truly is like. We have to know, we can only know who God is when he reveals himself to us. And the scripture reveals to us sufficient knowledge about who God is. Of course, we cannot know every single thing about God. There is a mystery, mysterious part about God that we will never fully understand, such as either the triune nature of God, it's just beyond us. There's just no way we can fully understand. And some of the purposes of God, we will never fully understand. How can there be, you know, we, we always get the question of like the free will versus the sovereignty of God or all these other things. Uh, what, what is God's will for me? I just don't understand. So there are a lot of aspects of God that we may not fully understand. But what God has revealed himself to be through the scriptures is enough for us to know who God is. As revealed in the scriptures, the God of the Bible, God as he revealed himself to be, is different from any other uh, deities in, in other religions, right? Truth. False teachers are false teachers because they do not teach the truth of the scriptures. They may just, you know, pick out some verses they may like out of context, and they may just construct a whole theological system or belief system and try to teach you and lure people in, but they are not really teaching the truth. It's false. That's why we call them false teachers. John chapter 17, verse 3, says this, and this is eternal life, that they, they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If there is only one true God, it follows that there are counterfeit gods, and we call them idols. Right? And verse 21, uh, uh, 1 John 5.21 says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. If we give any preference or allegiance to anyone or anything above God, then we are guilty of idolatry. The joys and pleasures of this world, careers, hobbies, family, and self can be and have been idols in our lives if we are honest with ourselves. You know, what is most, what is most dear to you? Is it the status, recognition from people, is it your 401k that's like, keep, you know, the balance is like, you know, increasing? Comfortable lifestyle, convenience, job security for the sake of your family. Are these the, the most precious, important thing in your life? What, what, what most occupies your thought life? Is it the roster of your fantasy football team? Getting hooked up with the opposite gender? If you are single, 
the wild fluctuation of the cryptocurrency that you have in, invested in, if these are the things that are just you are so consumed about, right, then that's your idol. Do you think most about honoring God and doing the will of God in your, vaca- in your vocation? We don't have the quote but, uh, here, but the Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. It's a Nasby translation. As a man thinks within himself, so is he. What you think about the most, where you have invested most, what you treasure most, that's your idol. There's just no way around it. It doesn't have to be a person or a thing. Anything, even any thought that is above God. It is an idol. And John here tells us to keep ourselves from these idols. Acknowledge them. And confess before God. So, Lord, this has been the most precious thing. Right? So we would repent and turn from our ways. So the number one is when we talk about the integrity of God, that uh, it is God. That God is true, and God is real. God is genuine. He's authentic. And the number two point is the truth that God is truthful. God is truthful. The authentic, uh, authenticity of God also means that not only God is real, God is true, but God is truthful. You know, when we say someone is a man of integrity, we are referring to his honesty truthfulness, and soundness of his moral character, right? That's what we mean when we say he or she is a man or woman of uh, integrity. And we would say, you know what? As a man of integrity, he would say what he means and he would say what he means, right? Not only is God exactly as he reveals himself to be, that in, in other words, he is real, he is true, but things are exactly as he says they are, that he is truthful. He only acts in truth and only speaks the truth. His knowledge is perfect, and so he's never mistaken. He's holy and righteous, so he cannot lie or distort the truth. Numbers 23, verse 19 says this, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Misinterpretation and falsehood are impossible with God. He will not and cannot manipulate us, his creation. Sometimes we may think, what's his really motive beyond? Sometimes we may just wonder, why, when things are not going the way we want, say so we are praying for certain things, but God is not answering us in the way that we want. And, you know, and then sometimes you're like, what, what is God really up to? Is he kind of like playing tricks on us? Is he manipulating us? Does he have an ulterior motive? After he says one thing, but he's not really following through with his words? No. That is impossible with God. It's simply not possible. He's not like us who continually change our minds and are often mistaken, and we frequently distort the truth. And if we are really honest with ourselves, we do that, right? 
man, I, I remember when I, when I first, uh, we, when we, you know, at the altar, you know, w- w- uh, you know, standing before my wife, I said, you know, I made a vow that, you know, I would make you happy, and, you know, just, I'm going to make you so, you know, like, happy and all those things. I mean, I meant it at the time because I was all wrapped up in, like, ooh, I'm getting married, but, you know, living through all these years, right, there are so many broken promises, so many things that I've done that is changing my mind all the time. I'm mistaken in the way she was saying things. It's just one with one person. But in our daily lives, right, in our relationship with our family members, church members, friends, coworkers, we do this all the time. But God is nothing like us. Just because we are doing that doesn't mean that God is, by extension, God is like that too. Absolutely not. God, our God is a God of truth. And he's revealed his truth to us in various ways. The scriptures teach us that God has revealed truth primarily in three ways. How does God reveal the truth? First, obviously through the scripture, right? The revealed will of God. And because God is true, his words are true. And also, God has revealed his truth to us through the Holy Spirit. Uh, in John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for, uh, for he will not speak on, uh, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will, he will declare to you the, the things that are to come. So as here, the Scripture and also the Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of truth. He will remind us of all the truth, right? And he will lead us into the truth if we really depend on him and look to him. And also the, another way for us to know the truth is through his son, Jesus Christ. As we, I, I quoted before, you know, the I am the truth, right? The way and the, and, and the life. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21, it says this. Assuming that you have, uh, you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. Right? The truth is in Jesus. Christ. Not only he taught the truth, but he is the truth. He's the very essence of all truth and the fountain of all truth. He is the greatest revelation of truth and that is found in him. So when we do not know, we look at Christ. We look to Christ. What does the scripture say about what he has said? Because he is the truth. He breathes in and out the truth. He lives. Every moment of his life was true. So then what are the implications? How are we to respond to this truth, to this truth. The first thing I would say is to bear witness to the truth of God. Bear witness to the gospel. Say, I know we are going through pandemic right now, and I know um, even with the boosters, I think I didn't really have bad, I mean, I had some side effect, but you know, um, I, still, I know that it's still controversial, right? How the whole like CDC and um, how, how they handled it. And so there's some controversy, and there are people who are still not fully convinced that, this is the, that taking vaccine is the right thing. But let's just suppose that there's, there's another uh, outbreak of pandemic, right? It's totally hypothetical. 
And somehow, you know and you have the vaccine that is absolutely safe. It has no consequences whatsoever. And, um, so this, and then the world does not know, right? They are just dying, right, from, from this left and right, from this disease and this virus that's just spreading like a wildfire, right? And if you know that, and if you have that vaccine, wouldn't you let the world know? Because the world around you is dying. People around you are dying. Wouldn't you let this be known to the people? And this truth of God, the word of God, we have this truth. What God calls us to do is to bear witness to this truth. Because Scripture makes it very clear, apart from Christ, apart from the gospel, there is no other way for people to be saved. There are only two kinds of people in this world, people who know Christ and people who don't. And if you are the people who know Christ, if you are the people who have Christ, and if you know the truth that apart from Christ, the ultimate end for those without Christ is destruction, eternal destruction, why would we not share this truth with people uh, that God has placed in our lives. So if we, it's, not one, it's not just a, um, an abstract mental exercise we are talking about. Because this, even what we are discussing here, has real consequences. What do you do with this truth? If you say and if you know and if you confess that I have this truth, I know this truth, that what are we doing with this truth? Are we going to continue to just have a, our own in-house powwow here and have a holy huddle within ourselves, retreating within the walls of the church and being satisfied with the fact that we have this, we know the truth and we celebrate among ourselves and just that's it. I'm just going to preserving this truth within the church, within the confines of our people that we know here. Because Scripture makes it clear that we are to bear witness, that we are to let the world know. For them to reject it, it's on them, right? But at least as Christians, it is our calling to let this truth be known, let God be known among the nations. Right? Another implication is that we have to really trust him and his promises. The reason why we are anxious and try so hard to remain in control of our situations and lives is because we don't fully trust God. The reason that, that's really what, what it comes down to. We say that we do. We trust God with our lips. But deep down, we don't fully trust God. And so therefore, we are not 100% sure about his promises. I know Pastor Jay talked about practical atheists last week. Absolutely true. Without list, we may say that we believe in God, but in our practical daily life living, are we ignorant of his reality, his law, his truth? Not truly believing it. Right? We don't fully depend on him. And even as a pastor, I, I, I struggle with this all the time, just the uncertain future that's ahead of me. I'm like, what am I going to do? Right? Being nervous being scared. 
worrying, and trying desperately to be in control of our lives is a good indication that we don't really believe that God is true and God is truthful. You know, not fully trusting in his word is more or less our rejection of God's integrity. I know it sounds really harsh. Oh, man. You know, I feel bad, but, you know, but that, that's, you know, we are essentially saying that I don't believe that God is really truthful. The scripture says God is, you know, makes all these promises, but I just can't fully trust that, right? I know this sounds harsh, but that's what it really comes down to. Do we really believe that he is true and real? Do we believe that he is truthful in all that he has said in the word? Then why are we, why don't we trust it? It's because we still do not trust that God is really true, that God is truly truthful. So what do we do? We have to recognize, acknowledge that we do not fully trust God as God to really just change our minds that we may really trust him continuously and look to the Lord and find the strength to go on in our daily lives. Because without this truth, right, it's so easy for us to go, you know, just be, to, to just get sidetracked and go our own ways without realizing that we are just walking away from the truth, being led astray. So may we uh, be the people of truth. If we say that we believe in God, then we have to really trust God believe in his promises. And if you really believe that God is true, then we have to let this truth be known to people around us, the people that you know. You don't have to look far, far around. People right near you. It could be your family members. It could be your neighbors. It could be your coworkers. Look to them and let them know. And if they reject it, I know it's hard because, you know, I, I feel rejected when, when that happens. But know that they are not really rejecting you. They are rejecting the truth. But what God calls us to do is to be faithful in our witnessing. May that be our mindset and approach. Let's pray. Let's go before.